Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Longer Haul Youth Ministry Podcast. Excited for today. Really important topic for us, I think, as we are looking really towards the future of youth ministry. What does this mean for us all? So whether you are just getting started in youth ministry, trying to figure out what this thing is going to be and what it's going to look like for you, or whether you've been doing this a long time, trying to figure out how long can you hang on (laughs) and what do we do for those who are uh, behind us, uh, some really practical uh, advice coming your way today and really just more of a conversation uh, with some folks who are way, way smarter than me. So welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If it's your first time listening to the show, man, I'm glad you're joining us. You picked a great episode to start on. As uh, as we are diving into a really crucial topic, and if you're a, a longtime listener, welcome back. We're glad to have you with us today as well. Hopefully, you are a member of the Super Secret Podcast Group or on Facebook. If not, we'd love to have you join. There'll be a link for that in the show notes. Uh, any resources or anything that we throw out and mention today will be uh, in the show notes for you, so that you can grab those and download those in case you are driving and unable to currently write those down. We wouldn't want you to do that while you're driving. It seems unsafe. Uh, and so, uh, good things, good things to to come. Uh, today, real treat for you, we have uh, Dr. Tim McKnight joining uh, the show with us. Uh, he, uh, author of lots of books, Engaging Gen Z, he's been on recently and talked about his book, Engaging Gen Z, uh, just, just, just hot off the press, uh, navigating a student ministry, charting your course for the journey. Uh, in that, two books you should grab and read today for sure. Also, Scott Pace, Dr. Scott Pace joining Today, uh, Scott's a longtime friend, youth ministry guy from way, way back, uh, and uh, and on the front lines as he's raising up folks. Uh, author of a bunch of books on youth ministry, um, student ministry by the book, among others, which I would also highly recommend to you. Uh, and so, those two guys really uh, would be grading my papers in in real life if I wasn't in California. So I'm glad to have them. And then, a friend of the show. Longtime friend of the show, Todd Jones from Stoked on Youth Ministry, coming on and joining us today. So, two youth pastors trying to figure it out, and two guys who are way smarter than two youth pastors trying to figure it out. Should be a great conversation for us today um, as we dive in to uh, to this really, really important topic. Guys, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you guys on. This is the most guests we've ever had at one time. So, c- congratulations. Hey, thanks awesome. for having us, man. Yeah, glad to hey, be on. Um, Let's take a minute just real quick and introduce uh, yourselves. I mean, I, I, I know I kind of give a little bit of an interview, but maybe just a, a quick uh, background uh, of, of how you ended up in youth ministry, what you're doing uh, currently, and then we'll go from there. Let's go Tim, Scott, and Todd in that order. How about that? Yeah, so I'm Tim McKnight. I am at Anderson University in South Carolina and am teaching youth ministry and missions there and director of the Global Center for Youth Ministry. Started in youth ministry as I answered a call to youth ministry and into ministry and um, just really felt a burden for friends of mine um, because I was a Christian, came to Christ when I was late in high school and felt a burden for my peers. And I think that carried over to my call to ministry. So just kind of pursued youth ministry to lead peers to Christ, and then went to seminary and served in youth ministry for about 13 years and got demoted and became a, a lead pastor. And um, But now I'm teaching youth pastors again, and I'm really thrilled about it and uh, 
It's exciting to see this generation, the potential they have for the gospel, and just feel very blessed uh, to be on this side. I know Scott feels the same way, uh, to be able to just learn from a generation of new youth pastors who are coming up, and they're teaching me a lot. Yeah, same. Um, I'm a little bit different in terms of location. Tim and I aren't too far apart. I'm actually uh, the dean of the college at Southeastern Seminary here in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and I teach everything from pastoral ministry and preaching to student ministry, which is really kind of how my calling forged together. I spent um, over six and a half years strictly as a youth pastor and then had youth pastor and ministry oversight uh, involved in, in some of the next steps of ministry and love now investing, teaching our student ministry courses and investing, like Tim said, in the next generation of student pastors and still love, you know, everything from speaking at camps to denials. seems like my calendar fills up with as much, if not more student ministry stuff. And that, that excites me because, uh, you know, what God does in the lives of students is, is probably some of the most energizing uh, work to see. So a little bit of how I spend my time. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, uh, I feel uh, quite honored to be able to hang out with people that are so much smarter than me. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> right? uh, thanks right? for even even having me on today, Jody. Um, my name is Todd Jones and uh, been in youth ministry for uh, a little over 13 years now and uh, love helping out youth pastors, training youth pastors, equipping them. Um, being in the trenches is not easy. And so, you know, we know what you guys are going through, going through the same things and um, seen, seen it change a lot in the last 13 years as well. Um, I got into youth ministry because I had a really good relationship with my youth pastor. Is one of those guys who just kind of brought me along with him, and I got to see ministry from uh, a little bit behind the curtain of what it takes and what it looks like, and even some of the struggles, and just felt that it was really where God was calling me, and uh, it's been such a blessing over the last 13 years, and um, just excited for this next generation, excited for the ministry that we get to do, and excited for the youth pastors that are doing it. Yeah. No, I'm, well, guys, thanks again for jumping on. Uh, and uh, I do think, you know, we talk about this idea. I, I've kind of talked to each of you individually about this. And so it's fun to pull you all in the same kind of space here. Uh, where, where have, where have all the youth pastors gone? I, I mean, I get, I get routinely asked from friends if, if I know of anybody, we've been trying to hire staff for a while. Todd reached out, you know, a time back uh, looking for, they were trying to fill a spot. I know Tim and Scott, you guys, especially being at the, the schools are getting calls all the time. And I mean, I don't know. I have no one, I have no one to refer really. I mean, it just feels like the cupboard is bare. Is that what everybody's seeing? Yeah, the the thing that I'm seeing is we had that push for family ministers, and everybody thought the pendulum was going to swing in that direction. And there was almost uh, – I remember the articles coming out, the, the time of youth ministries over because family ministries starting. And we never really changed our degree. And some people you know, treated us like we were dinosaurs. But I just really felt like the, the youth pastor was always going to be needed. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that we saw like a lot of institutions that swung toward family ministry. And now they're saying, wow, you know, millennials, there are a lot of them. And then Gen Z, there are a lot of them. And yeah. so they're coming into the churches and we actually need that youth pastor because a family minister can't do it all. So I think that's part of the problem is just 
um, with the system of theological education and just the churches as a whole, some a trend that we had was toward family ministry, which wasn't a bad thing. But what we started figuring out, I think, is that the family minister can't be the catch-all for children's ministry and youth ministry. They can't wear both hats. And so we're always going to need the children's minister. We're always going to need the youth minister in churches that can afford to hire that staff role. So yeah. I think that's part of the issue. Yeah. Scott, what about you? Seeing the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I've run into the same problems. I definitely agree with Tim that that was uh, a pendulum swing that kind of missed some of what the uh, the value of student ministry was. And there's a lot of contributing factors uh, to kind of the disappearance, if you will, of the youth pastor. Um, and I would I would probably say if I could summarize several of them in, in one word, it would be support. You know, uh, you guys know as, as anybody, um, student pastors need support. I mean, you got to think support from the parents, support from the senior pastor, support from the finance committee, support, you know, at home with your family as you kind of kind of are, are pulled into different hours and, and weeks and different uh, kind of the unique schedule that youth ministry man sometime. And so much of it comes down to this concept of support. And man, when you, you start losing what Tim was describing, the support of the church as a whole uh, by way of what they're valuing or where they're kind of uh, seeing needs, then you, 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 you kind of lose the, the people who see, man, this is a viable, you know, ministry opportunity or ministry platform for me. And so that's definitely a, a contributing factor. Um, but support is how I would summarize it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think, uh, you know, just to really state the obvious, this last season has been hard. I mean, it's been yeah. difficult. And depending where you're at in the country, it's still kind of going in, in your area. And so uh, I think the ugly side of church kind of came out um, for a lot of youth pastors that jumped in, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, not understanding some of the ugly things that they were going to see and experience and difficulties they were going to go through. And I think uh, a lot of youth pastors, even just feeling the same pressures that I felt over this last um, two years or so, have just really jumped ship and gone, man, you know, it's a lot easier for me to go somewhere else. And I think a lot of those contributing factors are what you guys said, the lack of support in those difficult situations, but even just being prepared, knowing that they're coming this last season has been really difficult and that's exactly what, what I've seen with just where have they gone? There's just such a yeah. lack of youth pastors available. Yeah. Yeah. It feels uh, like, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it feels like there was a, there was two, two things, right? Maybe the, maybe the input of student pastors who were coming was slowing. Uh, and then man, the exit of youth pastors has accelerated through COVID. I mean, I don't know how many people that I know who were serving in student ministry who aren't now, who were two years ago. Yeah. Uh, all, all across the spectrum um, for a number of reasons. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, budget decisions that the church had to make. Uh, sometimes it was uh, just burnout. I mean, to be honest, there's a ton of student pastors I know who have burned out. And I don't want to be that guy, but I will be because it's my show. Um, I think COVID hit everybody really, really hard. I don't think it matters what ministry area of ministry you're in. But aside from the senior pastor who's just making everybody mad, no matter what he did, I'm not sure that it hit any area harder than student ministry because you have you have a ministry that is so highly relational Mm-hmm. that all of a sudden couldn't be, right? right. 
Um, and uh, we were reinventing ourselves every day, just trying and not even didn't even feel like we're taking ground. We're just trying to hold on so that there's something left when it's all over with. Um, and man, that was, that's, that's, that's been a discouraging season for sure. And then the criticism too, like I think I faced more criticism as a student pastor uh, in the last two years than I have probably in the 23 years I've been a student pastor over things that I don't even understand why it's a, you know, like half the time, like, I'm not real sure why you're mad. Like, except that everybody's mad. Yeah. Right. Well, I do think too, that student pastors, um, face a a different type of spotlight that comes with some different heat. You know, parents, uh, feel the pressure of their kids. And we've seen this for years, right. That, um, they expect us to raise their students. So now, uh, if, if we're struggling or things are more difficult or it doesn't turn out, uh, the way they are, of course, we're, we're at the face of that. Uh, but on the church side of things too, we, we oftentimes, our ministries are measured. Nobody ever says, so how many seniors were at the senior luncheon on Friday? But everybody wants to know how many students did you guys have mm. on Sunday night? And so we're, we're under a different scrutiny, uh, within the church kind of ecosystem too, which again, creates pressure. Uh, of performance and and all those types of things, which doesn't really is not very warm and inviting for. Hey, don't you want to come be uh, a student pastor? And so there's there's yeah. a lot of those factors working uh, against us. The other thing I'd say is I do think you're right, Jody. The trend actually started long before COVID. I think it's accelerated and magnified some of what was already happening. And um, in some ways, I'm I'm nervous like you. I'm nervous um, that it's actually what we're seeing in student ministry we're actually also seeing in what we'll call senior pastor ministry. There's a big void of just the younger generation being called into vocational ministry. And there's a lot of factors that are involved in that. And I I think that the trend in student ministry actually reflects a trend broader in broader ministry by way of, you know, calling out the called people, not uh, we've kind of leveled the ground of calling uh, in, in some positive ways in, you know, helping people understand their universal calling, but we've kind of done it at the expense of vocational ministry and a calling to that. And I think we're, we're suffering the consequences of that. And that was a big paradigm shift. You know, Tim was talking about a family ministry shift. That was a big paradigm shift as it related to calling that I think also has undercut the, this next generation of, of ministry leaders. Yeah. I think another thing too, uh, I agree with everything you said, Scott. Another thing is that from a missional standpoint, I think we're just starting to realize the reality of what we've been saying, that we are the third or fourth largest unchurched nation in the, in the world. And we haven't done a good job of really uh, leading people to Jesus Christ. And as the population has grown, the number of Christians has not grown with the population. And so it, it's not just an issue of people leaving, but it's an issue of we're, we're not uh, – we're not leading people to Jesus. We're not advancing the kingdom in the country. Uh, I think uh, uh, the survey I remember, I think Stetzer put out a survey among denominations maybe about three or four years ago that uh, one denomination was growing by 1%. I think that was Assemblies of God, and the rest of them were declining. Well, even that 1%, it doesn't keep up with the growth of the of the nation, of the, you know, of the population. So I think part of what we're seeing is that we haven't really been obedient as a whole to the Great Commission as Christ followers in the country, and that's going to bleed into who's called to ministry. That's going to bleed into uh, who, who's leading our churches. And so, you know, 
I think that that comes into play as well. Yeah. Todd, you, you mentioned how much student ministry changed in the 13 years that you've been doing student ministry, right? And it's something I've thought about a lot recently. And I even had a conversation last week with somebody, you know, when I, uh, when I started in student ministry, which was, you know, back when the whole world was black and white, um, it was, it, it was not uh, the norm that we dealt with issues first. And, and what I mean by that is most of the real, like serious, deep issues that the church was facing were being handled by our senior pastor, adult ministries, right? Uh, whether that was the pornography issues, promiscuity, um, the suicide stuff, all of all those major, major things that were happening in the in the adult world, and they would sort of trickle into students at times. Rarely would they make it to junior high. Uh, I can remember, you know, uh, the first student that I had that had an eating disorder, and it was like, oh my gosh, like what? You know, trying to figure <laughs> out what does that look like. And I'd already been a youth pastor for probably four years. You know, yeah. Now it feels like the it's flipped. I'm dealing with things on a weekly basis. I'm having conversations consistently with students and parents and families in in our junior high ministry many times, but for sure in our high school ministry that our adult team isn't quite facing yet or not to the level that we are. I mean, do you, Todd, do you think, I mean, do you see that? I absolutely see that. That's, that's a hundred percent. And a lot of it is, you know, with, with the uh, accessibility and just, you're, you're expected to be on social media and with what the influence that social media has had with the students, they are the first ones catching these. Um, I, I don't want to call them trends, but I mean, these big, these big issues, these big things that are going on are, are really coming through them. And a hundred percent, I'm almost leading the conversation uh, when it comes to a lot of the issues like gender, like um, some of the sexuality conversations, they, they're coming from youth first and, and making their way up. So a hundred percent. Yeah. And so, so here's, Oh, go ahead, Scott. You're going to say something. Well, I was just going to say that, that, that feeds the supply and demand challenge we're facing. Right. So the demand is growing because everybody wants the expert, which is the youth pastor who can speak to these issues that they're not equipped to deal with. And the supply is, you know, obviously going down. And so we're seeing the gap widen because of those, those two things. So here's the challenge that I think, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, and it may not even be a, a fair question. I would love to know your thoughts on what you think the ideal youth pastor looks like today. And, and, I, and let me say this. If you're listening and you're you know young youth pastor just starting out, by no means am I saying anything about whether you should or shouldn't or can or can't. Historically, though, youth ministry has been treated as kind of the entry level proving ground of church ministry. Uh, kids ministry really was not viewed that way. Um, worship ministry really not to the same level has viewed that way. Certainly senior pastor. Uh, but youth ministry was the get the you know young kid in and teach him or her, let them hang out and they can learn and grow with the. I mean, with the issues that we're seeing right now, what is, does that change what we should 
be thinking of and how we should be thinking of a student pastor. Is it still, let's get the young 20-something in and let them try to navigate that um, and then grow into to ministry? And it's not that you can't. Yeah, I think you guys understand my heart and the question, right? Yeah, I think the two primary assets of what you just described are relational ability because of relevancy in terms of close age proximity. That's still real. This is still yeah. very real. Um, and then the the other element of kind of that, um, not just relational ability, but the capacity to grow and to learn and to think that need is still there. But I think um, the, 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 whatever the entryway door has shrunk to where now the expectations or the qualifications has shifted to, we need somebody a little more seasoned, a little bit more informed, a little bit more, um, if you want to call it mature, fine. But just in terms of life maturity, not, you know, personality. So I do think some of that has shifted, but in terms of what the strengths are of student ministry and the platform of our relational ability, I think that's still a huge asset, and so yeah. uh, it shouldn't have shifted in that in that way. But I think, in some ways, it has. I think the shift toward the family has been healthy. Um, that I think part of the picture of youth ministry that we painted is you know just unrealistic. Um, mm-hmm. That, and we all you know we all know this that we we only have a few hours to spend with the students you know a week, um, and. Whoever that parent or legal guardian is has the most time. So, and I think also we're at a point where we're seeing, at least in our state, in our context, more bivocational, more volunteer, not as many full time. So, even more the importance of the family and discipling that parent or legal guardian, that is a ministry multiplier. And so, I think that this idea of the youth minister being the subject matter expert, we probably need to kind of move away from that a little bit. However, at the same time, you know, I make an argument um, in engaging Gen Z that that the youth minister of anyone on staff needs to be the most theologically sound, the most theologically educated, because they've got to you know take these doctrines and bridge them in a way that teenagers can understand them and take scripture. So. So that takes have some heavy lifting and it takes some chops, right, theologically. So so I don't want to, you know, kind of take away from that, but at the same time, kind of channeling that to equip the parents and equip our, our adult leaders and be ministry multipliers so that we don't feel the weight all on us, but we're actually transferring the weight to exactly where it needs to be. And that's that's where that student spends the most time. And I understand that there are some students who aren't going to have believing parents. Um, but that should be in spite of the church and not because of the church. I don't need to, to to design a youth ministry that just accepts the fact that the parents aren't going to come to Christ. I, I need to be as a as a person who is uh, loving the gospel and loving families, someone who's motivating my staff and motivating and leading up a little bit too with the lead pastor and saying, "Hey, listen, I can't do this by myself." I need the team to come alongside me as we seek to reach these lost families in our community because we got a student who's on our campus on a regular basis, but they don't have that support at home. And so, so I think it, it, focusing back on where the student spends the most time in some ways takes the pressure off of, uh, of the youth minister, and at the same time, it's a ministry multiplier. And so it just really um, helps magnify the ministry – and move the ministry forward. That's good. I'd be curious if I could kind of chime in with a question to ask yeah. um, 
Jody, you and Todd, um, <clears throat> with the shift in everything from technology and just the nature of student, you know, for relationships are the primary platform in any ministry, but as you described earlier, uh, even more so in student ministry. Um, and yet now there's, um, there's a lot more access into people's lives. And yet at the same time, there's a lot more cautions as it relates to what can you say to a student? How can you engage in a student? Um, has some of the trepidation of, I feel like I'm going to overstep a line and find myself in a situation that's, that's just, you know, um, something I can't overcome. Like I'm going to be accused of something. Or I'm going to be, do you think that that weighs into uh, the, the freedom that we once had in student ministry that man relationships were wide open, transparent, completely trusted and all that kind of stuff. I'd, I'd love to hear you guys kind of chew on that for a minute. Todd, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I think um, that's definitely a good question. And it's something that I've seen. And I think I see it more with the leaders that I'm leading with my, my serve team, my volunteers, um, in just the way that they interact and I've, even even on their level, having serve team and leaders, volunteers step down because of those exact things. Hey, man, I don't want to be in these situations because I'm afraid of what accusations are going to fly, what parents are going to say, what people are going to do. And it's definitely put restrictions on some of the way that we do ministry from you know 10 years ago. We weren't as concerned about these things. Um, and when things like social media started becoming more prevalent, they were first seen as avenues for connection. And we were using those as ways to connect with students, disciple students, just using them as another relationship builder, where now there's just so many restrictions on that. And even in leader training, when I'm training my leaders, right. I mean, the list of cautions is is <laughs> extremely long because we don't want that liability. We don't want anything to right. happen. And obviously we don't want something to happen to a student either. So sure. um, definitely a lot more barriers within that. And I, I can agree that it is probably a little scary for people to step into a position like being a youth pastor or even being a volunteer leader going, man, I don't know. There's just a lot of risk involved. I, th I think as you describe that, it's not the youth pastor who is hesitant because we're willing to kind of fight to get over that barrier in an appropriate way. But like you said, if we lose the support of that volunteer staff or that relational staff we're trying to build, it, it then falls on our shoulder, which makes the, the mantle of leadership heavier, so to speak, and can sap the youth pastor, drive us out of student ministry quicker. So there's a kind of a compounding effect or a secondary effect from those things, even if it's not initial. Jody, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the challenge is even beyond that is that there's just a general posture of distrust in our culture mm -hmm. right now that didn't exist even five years ago or 10 years ago. And, um, and there's also just this anger, mm. right? So uh, you, you've got people that are just angry about everything and almost looking for reasons to be angry. And I'm finding parents to be both a little more helicopter driven, right? And, on one on some things, but maybe the, not right. the things they should be, <laughs> right. um, and then really, really defensive of of their kids as well. And so I think, you know, when you look at COVID, okay, learning at home, distance learning, parents had to really step in and 
try to navigate and figure that out. Teachers are trying their best and parents are frustrated and everybody realizes their kid wasn't a joy in class. that They've been lying to them in all these parent meetings. Um, but, you know, we had a situation even a couple of weeks ago where uh, we had a student who was being a disruption in the service, not unusual in a room full of, you know, uh, teenagers. And uh, one of one of our staff team kind of went up to address it and said, hey, I'm going to take this. I'll give it back to you at the end of the service. This camera, they this get it. Well, man, the next day, you know, who's waiting for me right away is I got two parents now, like, because they're upset over, you know, trying to take their kid's property. And uh, I'm like, man, okay, let's let's back up and start again. You know, so I think even in small things, not even online engagement, but just in general, how you're engaging a student uh, is is difficult because everything that you say now, and so much of what we say is recorded now, um, either because we're recording it and putting it out or because people have phones and cameras everywhere. Uh, I could give a great message and that, you know, a 30 second clip of that could be taken out of context and reposted. And it, man, before I know it, I'm, I'm trying to explain something that shouldn't be explained. Right. Or yeah. where before it was like, Hey, my kid said, you said, this you know right so i think it's made it more challenging for well, sure i think in, in in when you consider those challenges we can see where maybe the the vacuum has been created or the the funnel and the back door is open and um you know and i think in some of this question it's where have they gone and some of them have left but where are they coming from which is yeah. the next question right like man where there's not a pond of youth pastor down there. We just didn't know was there. And so now we're going to start pulling them in and they're going to show up everywhere. Like where, where and how do we reverse the trend is a big yeah. kind of conversation as well. Yeah. I've been encouraged by just the response of students that are answering calls to youth minister. I think God's actually moving among Gen Z and, and that's really you know, be honest with you why I'm even at the university. You know, I, I'm still planting, church planting. Uh, I never stopped being a pastor. Uh, I just kind of stumbled into the university. So when you guys are saying, hey, they're two smarter guys, I'm like, I don't fit that. You know, I mean, <laughs> if people call me Dr. McKnight, I still turn around to see who they're talking to, you know. So, so I, you know, I'm encouraged by just the generation's response, Gen Z's response. And I see, you know, uh, they're they're better than me. They're beyond me. I've got four Gen Zers in my own home that that uh, are my kids, and and they're they're leaps and bounds beyond me spiritually where I was. And I know if I had a heart to reach peers that didn't know Jesus, man, they they so much more have that burden. And so I'm encouraged. You know, I'm not I'm not really uh, discouraged by what's going on. I'm encouraged because. For us, even though I can't fill all of the open positions that are there, I still know that there's a group of students behind me that are that are coming up and graduating, and they are going to serve in churches. And what I see is, yes, it's a younger group of students than maybe 10 years ago that are graduating and serving in places that they probably would not have served in 10 years ago. And so we probably need to support them even more because they're coming into youth ministry younger. But at the same time, 
just the fact that they are open and eager uh, to engage a culture that that desperately needs the gospel with the hope of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I want to encourage youth pastors too, is don't give in to fear. You know, there's a lot of stuff that can go on in a church and listen, you know, anybody can sue you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, you know, they, they don't have the grounds to sue you. They, they can sue you. It doesn't matter. And so don't let that be something that, that discourages you from loving God, loving your neighbor, ministering to students, do it in a way that, that is, that is safe, do it in a way that's wise, you know, be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. But at the same time, you know, don't step back from sharing the gospel and don't step back from equipping parents or equipping your, your youth workers. Another thing I'd say too, is Todd, I commend you, you, you know, equipping your youth workers to deal with ministry. Uh, You are in the minority statistically, according to, you know, Ben Trueblood, and within reach, you know, that when they, they came out, they saw all these youth pastors said, yeah, we need to equip our youth workers, but nobody was doing it, you know? And so, so just the, I want to encourage youth pastors out there, youth ministers, listen, spend some time regularly equipping your youth workers because one reason I think that they're stepping out is because we're not, we're not pouring into them, you know, things that they need, tools they need in order to minister to students. And so just see that as a ministry multiplier. You know, Scott wrote a great uh, chapter in Navigating Student Ministry on discipleship. But we're not just talking about discipling students. We're talking about discipling those youth workers. And so, you know, pour into those youth workers and let that be a ministry multiplier. And and then be there when they come to you with these hard questions that we deal with on a regular basis of how do I deal with this situation or how to deal with this student who, you know, is dealing with uh, identity issues or whatever. They need us. And they need us to be that consistent um, influence upon them spiritually. Yeah, Tim, I think you nailed it with two points there. I have them written in my notes here. You kind of stole it on my thunder, so I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> that's because they're smarter than I us. Think what, that's why. That's because yeah. they're smarter. I know. Um, man, the the pouring into leaders is just so important because I think the edge of burnout that a lot of youth pastors have been operating on. We've looked at opportunities. Uh, for for volunteer leaders as just plugging a hole in a need instead of a person to invest in. And that just creates more turnover within those leaders because if they're there just to, to plug a need real quick, but they're not being invested in, they're not going to last. And so then it even more falls onto the youth pastor, um, but it also isn't raising them up to help with, I mean, our job should hopefully be to raise up our serve team, our volunteer leaders to a place where we're sending them out to be youth pastors. And I know that's not what everyone's calling is, but as the youth pastor, that should be our mindset and how we're investing in and how we're raising them up. Um, and if that's the case, we do have somebody to send when some, when another youth pastor calls us up and says, hey, do you got someone? Yeah, actually I do. Um, so I think that's a huge one. I think one of the other things you said, Tim, that I, I just want to reinforce is, man, if you're a youth pastor, you know that this generation has so much passion and intensity mm-hmm. for wanting to reach their um, peers, to reach the people around them. Um, and I think for us as youth pastors to lean into being mission-minded, um, because they don't want to just be a part, they're not going to want to go into ministry if it's just advanced babysitting. They don't want to do that. That doesn't yeah. sound, that's not enticing to them. They want to be a part of something big. They want to reach their their peers. And if they see you as a youth pastor, continually being mission-minded and leaning into a mission, that's enticing. That's something that they want to be a part of, and that's something that they can get behind. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'll echo what Tim said and, and, and Todd, what you touched on by way of example. So last, last weekend, teaching a hybrid class, student ministry class, there's 22, you know, student ministry leaders of various stripes in there. And man, you start talking about raising up leaders, investing in leaders, Todd, what you were just describing, Tim, what you were advocating, um, man, that's just a, a realm of student ministry they had never considered. It was almost, it's always been approached as kind of this, you know, be the sage on the stage or kind of be the, um, the guy who does it all and be the, is the hero to students and the parents. And, and when you start investing, taking that infrastructure approach of building a leadership team, investing in them, it not only multiplies our ministry, gives us longevity, uh, you know, helps us be efficient with the resources and all those types of things. It also then uh, translates into ministry kind of propulsion or like you're saying deployment and um, whether that's, hey, this was my intern and now I'm going to be willing to send him out to the church that's, you know, a few miles down the road or in a town next in the next county. Uh, to go be a youth minister, uh, and then raising students to be a part of that leadership and to see their capacity and potential um, and lets them, you know, kind of feel the joy of, man, doing this is what God's called me to. And that kind of calling comes through affirmation of them uh, giving the, the opportunities to serve. So I, I love and celebrate all that you're describing. And it just hit me last weekend that why what seems sometimes intuitive to, to us as we've kind of worked in it for years or seen it, uh, nobody's having those conversations out there or training. So maybe it's a, uh, a, a bigger conversation and equipping student ministry relates to that leadership structure. That's good. I think we, uh, man, two thoughts as you guys are talking. One, as I'm thinking through our team, uh, and obviously we're multi-site context, right? So we're, we've got multiple campuses. When I think of the folks that are on our student team, um, I think four of them, were volunteers who then felt a call to ministry out of volunteering. We affirmed that obviously, and have come on staff uh, with us. Um, and it's been neat to watch that and to see kind of that journey for them, uh, even as they're stepping in and learning and growing. And then, you know, we talk a lot as a student team of like, how do we set our leaders up? Not, not just how do we set our volunteers up to succeed, but how do we make it almost impossible for them to fail? So when we're approaching, how do we resource and train our volunteers? What kind of things can we put in place for them so that they're not having to stress out over a lot of these things? Uh, and they do feel equipped when something comes their way. You know, if I want them to send a postcard, great. Then I can tell them that I can also put out postcards on Wednesday night for them that they can write hand back to me and I'll mail them for them. You know, like sometimes it's simple things, but then navigating some of the bigger things we can spend more time on because some of those smaller things we've taken care of for them. And um, so I love that. I love that. And I think, I do think you're right. You know, you guys are right. It feels like we've forgotten the value of investing in our volunteers. And, uh, and we've lost, we've lost, you know, a lot of folks, man, over COVID for a number of reasons. And I don't know that that we can't keep looking back at some point. We have to look forward. Well, one of the things I think we um, have to do a, a better job is celebrating um, student ministry testimonies. Uh, when I, when I look at like, I ended up being Jody, what you described, I'm volunteering in a church. I end up, 
you know, kind of coming on uh, staff. And my, my passion for student ministry was developed out of what I largely lacked growing up. And I, I looked back and said, man, this was my student ministry example. I, these students deserve better. I want to get I want to be one to give um, them them back and give them uh, something better. Uh, but as you describe that, you know, what are we doing to celebrate testimonies? I think if we looked at why we went into student ministry and what keeps us in student ministry is there's nothing like seeing that 15 year old whose life gets completely flipped upside down and turned in a different direction. So many things change from friend group to, you know, uh, lifestyle to, to habits to whatever victory. It, all, their life just changes. And that's the magic, right? That's the student mm-hmm. ministry. Like, bro, like this is, this is uh, the juice that we want. And we don't celebrate that enough. And I think if we would celebrate some of that, uh, it would become a little more contagious and invite people to be a part of what God's already doing, which is so much of where the revivals in history started through the explosion of students and what God was doing among them. And so in some ways, I think looking forward, we've got to begin celebrating uh, those testimonies. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. You know, my background academically is not student ministry. It's evangelism, missions, and church history. And did my uh, dissertation on a guy named George Whitfield, who was the preacher of the First Great Awakening. And what Scott just said to me, that that's what lights my fire and causes me to teach here at Anderson University, is that every major revival has happened with a generation from 17, you know, to the early 20s. And so I think the potential for revival with Gen Z is tremendous. And I think that we're starting to see some sparks, to be honest with you. I I hear some of these um, uh, youth evangelism conferences and different things that are going on, and I I see students answering calls to ministry now, and we're really starting to focus back on that because we feel like we've kind of lost that point of reference. I know Scott's doing work on that. My university is doing work on that. We've got a call network that's doing work on that. And so I really see some positive things that that maybe the Lord's prepping uh, prepping us for a harvest. I'm really praying that that's the case, that this generation, the Lord's kind of prepping us for a harvest. And, you know, I just hope that I'm alive, you know, kind of to see uh, the fruit of what this generation is going to put out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm, you know, just uh, too optimistic. I don't think I'm, you know, just kind of rose-colored glasses. I see the problems, but... But at the same time, I don't see a difference between the first century and today. Yeah. Uh, if you think about some of the morality in the first century or, or better put, immorality in the first century, uh, there aren't a lot of differences. And we saw the early church spread like wildfire because of faithfulness to the gospel, faithfulness to discipleship, faithfulness to making disciples, faithfulness to, to a church that – focused on regenerate members, you know, who actually did share the gospel. That was an expectation. And I, I think that we have that potential. I really do. Yeah, and I think calling the, the calling the call, those students that are in our, our groups right now that do have a calling on their life, cultivating that as a youth pastor. And, and I can say um, I've, I've messed up in the past with that, with students who come up to me and I'm ashamed to say, since that's how I got into youth ministry was walking with my youth pastor. I've had students that have said, Hey, I want to be a youth pastor. I want to go into ministry and just going, Oh, that's awesome. But really just leaving them there and not doing anything to continue to foster that and help them get to um, where they feel like they've been called. And uh, as I was reaching out to, to different uh, friends of mine that are in ministry saying, Hey, do you know anybody I'm looking to fill a position right now. Um, 
I talked to a friend of mine who's also named Todd Jones, which also gets really confusing. I'm added into a lot of text conversations. They mean to put him in there. They put me in. Um, but he said, man, I'm seeing the same thing. There's just a lack of student ministry um, professionals out there right now. There's just nobody going into it. And he said, so I'm doing something about it. He said, I'm running four different groups right now um, of students that want to go into ministry and we're training them right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, he he's combating the issue at the, at the source right now going, yeah, you're right. They're not there. So we're going to raise them up. And I think that that's probably indicative of a lot of youth ministries around the country is you have students in your ministry right now, youth pastor, you have somebody there that you can pour into that you can, you can bring along with you that you can maybe even see who else is afraid to even admit that they have a call and bring them in too and start a group. Maybe there's a few of them that you can bring along, but man, I agree with you guys. I think this next generation is just fervent and passionate to reach people and to to be in ministry. And and I'm pumped up about it. Todd, let me uh, mention this. I I want to just echo what you're saying. And I hope this doesn't sound like some corny, shameless plug, but the reality is that what you just said is an important crucial thing that we've heard from a lot of student pastors We're like, when I have a student who expresses a call to ministry, I don't know what to do with them. I want to cheerlead them, but I don't know how to mentor them. I don't know. Um, and it's not reinventing the wheel, but there is some logistical, how do we train them? So Shane Pruitt and I have actually written a book called calling out the called, and it'll be released November 1st. Lifeway's putting it out in partnership with NAM. Uh, and so it's going to be out and it's a, it's basically a discipleship manual for training those who are called to ministry that puts some tools in their toolbox, opens their eyes to some realities, their own spiritual formation, but also some practical things that they need to be considering as they move forward and uh, growing. And so there's some fundamentals that they, they need that's the same as every student who's just trying to walk with Christ. But there's some other things that we need to uh, kind of equip them for. And that what that's what that resource is, is going to do. And so hopefully... Uh, even in the conversations we're having right now, this this is going to be at the forefront of the conversation that we can raise up the next generation of youth leaders through our youth leaders. Yeah, that's killer. That's killer, man. I yeah. can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah, I love it. Todd, I just want to tell you, you're one of two Todd Jones that I know. And I don't even know if it's the same Todd Jones that you know, but every I was curious at which Todd Jones was actually going to jump on the podcast today. I was hoping it was you. Not that I don't love the other Todd, but yeah, it would have been it would have been a little awkward if it was the wrong Todd Jones. So, for what it's worth, there's a lot of Todd Jones in the world. So, anyway, yeah, we're all, we're all pretty cool. Yeah, of course. <laughs> How could you not be with a name like Todd Jones? Uh, you could be named Jody, and then they would just mistake your wife for you every time you go to pay at a restaurant. <laughs> so, you know, that's a that's how that works. Uh, guys, I want to be mindful of your time here as we kind of wrap up. Any. Any final words of encouragement or thoughts or uh, kind of action steps that come to mind in light of kind of what we've talked about? Man, I'll say the action steps, but I will say by way of encouragement, man, if you're a youth ministry leader, whether it's a volunteer, vocational capacity, be encouraged, be emboldened, be strengthened for the work. Man, what you're doing is valuable and it matters. And uh, don't, don't give up. Don't be looking for the next ministry opportunity. I just want to encourage you that what you're doing is uh, invaluable to the students you're investing in and persevere through whatever that challenge is difficult wise for you uh, right now, because uh, we need you. We all need you. This generation needs you and keep, keep plugging away, keep tapping into resources like 
you know, in the, the, the longer haul uh, and stuff like this, it's going to help encourage you uh, as you serve the Lord and, and serve these students and their families. Yeah, one reason why I like podcasts like this is because they bring youth pastors together, and I think that's something we need to do that virtually. But I just want to encourage you, if you're a youth pastor, reach across your community to other youth pastors and churches that are seeking to reach students and their families with the gospel, and, and join them on a regular basis for breakfast or lunch or something like that. Encourage each other. We need those networks. We cannot have a barracks mentality where we're in our silos. You know, on the I, I'm an Army vet. And uh, it didn't matter if the guy was wearing a Navy uniform, Air Force uniform, Marine Corps uniform. It didn't matter. If if they're throwing rounds on target, they were on my team. And so, you know, <laughs> let's reach across, you know, reach across the community and uh, join hands with brothers and sisters who are doing the same thing you are. And you'll be encouraged by it. I, I think that's huge. I don't have near as cool of a metaphor as Tim <laughs> just gave. That was awesome. Uh, but I will say I was in a meeting earlier today with, you know, youth pastors from a particular area that are networking and there is strength in numbers. Uh, don't be feel like the, the competitive spirit is going to somehow, you know, um, you know, diminish your work or, or compete with your work. It is a grab your end of the net. I'll grab my end of the net. Let's go fishing together uh, and serve together. But it'll encourage your heart to, to be around other guys who are you know serving in the same line of fire and same battles as, as you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. Youth pastor, youth worker, volunteer, I'll just tell you, don't quit. Don't quit. Mm-hmm. The be- it gets better. Um, the longer you're in it, the the more hindsight you have to go, okay, yeah, that was difficult, but I came out stronger on the other end. And know that you're you're making an impact, even when it feels like you're not, even when you go home and just want to cry and quit. Just know, keep going, man. <laughs> the, the longer haul is worth it. No, we so want to see, we'll for see you. what you did there. Like that, that's it. I'm going to give one last uh, plug. Tim and I are old enough. We're not smarter than you guys, but we are older than you guys. Uh, in this sense, I'll say this: I've got more. I've, I've got more in my rearview mirror than I do in the windshield in terms of life at this point. Um, but when I look back, I'm actually to the point where I can see 20 years of investment in those teenagers, and now where they are with families, and you know what God's doing in their lives. And sometimes it's hard to look that far down the road and see the fruit, but that's where the sweetness is of staying in student ministry is you do get to uh, kind of share in the first fruits as the farmer, kind of Paul and and telling Timothy there, like that's the fruit of our ministry and our labor. And you get to savor that fruit and it's sweet. And if you jump out too soon, man, you won't get to see those 15 year olds become 35 year olds with families. Uh, And that's where the real juice is for me too. Yeah, and as a church planner, I'd say celebrate the small wins. You know, uh, I've learned that in the last two years trying to plan a church in COVID. Um, we celebrate the small wins. You know, if we see like somebody who's come to a small group that we've been inviting, 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 they show up, we're going to celebrate that. So in your youth ministry, you know, celebrate the small wins. Celebrate when that volunteer, you know, uh, who's just started out starts in that first Bible study or whatever. Celebrate when that kid just starts getting it and starts learning scripture, you know, celebrate the small wins. That's good. Uh, when people ask me why I'm still in student ministry, um, <laughs> which is happening more and more the older I get. Uh, I think of, uh, there, there's a there's one passage in Scripture, honestly, that I have clung to for a long time now, and it's in Judges 2.10, which is not a verse that most people would read. Um, but it, it talks there, and it, it, 
it says, and after all, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. It says, there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. And, uh, man, I, I, I read that verse and it fires me up. It, it causes me to want to run towards the generation that everyone else is running from. As scary as it is at times, and as overwhelming as it feels at times, um, it's what keeps me coming back to the office after lunch, sitting in a fast food place, daydreaming about what it would be like to make burgers and fries and just go home at night. You know, like I don't go home and cry, Todd. I go and sit in restaurants and think, man, <laughs> if I cooked fries and burgers and did DoorDash, could I pull that off? You know, um, but you guys are so right. I mean, when you talk about the change that you see, the life change you see, uh, the families transformed, and there's, I'd rather be on the front lines than, you know, than in the closet, the broom closet. And, um, and I, and I hit, I've come across that verse and listen, man, we've all quit more times than we are willing to admit. Um, but God just keeps us in it. He just keeps us going. And, and there are going to be moments and seasons and the past two years have been those where everything in you is going to want to quit. And it's easier to, I mean, it's easier to quit, but, uh, it doesn't mean you should, doesn't mean you should. So guys, thank you so much. Thanks for giving your time for the wisdom you've shared. Um, genuinely encouraging conversation. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm super, super thankful. And I know those listening have gotten a lot out of this as well. Um, if folks wanted to connect with you guys outside of this, uh, obviously, like I mentioned before, I'll try to put links for all the books and stuff uh, that we mentioned in the, in the show notes. But if folks wanted to, Tim, if people wanted to connect with you beyond here, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Yeah, sure. Best way, Tim at drtimmcknight.com. Tim at drtimmcknight.com probably be the best best way. They can just shoot me an email. Perfect. And there's you have and and the, your website's got stuff there as well for them. Yeah, it does. Uh, or they can go to the Global Center for Youth Ministry website, and we've got stuff there as well. Perfect, Scott. What about you? Yeah, email is probably the easiest or, or most direct access, which is space at sebts.edu. So space at sebets.edu. Uh, but I'm on all the uh, social media. And so if you want to DM me on, on any of that, man, feel free. Great. And Todd? Yeah, uh, I'd say connect on Instagram at the Todd underscore Jones. Um, or all my resources are at stokedonyouthministry.com. And check out a lot of stuff there. But yeah. Yeah, great resources. Over so there. with all the Todd Joneses, you are the Todd, He's the, I had to, I had to distinguish, right? I had to, know, right. I had to know. I'm, I'm the Todd Jones. <laughs> Didn't go with like the real Todd Jones or anything. He just went the. Todd Jones. the. Okay, I love it. I love it. Well, guys, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Um, I, again, I know it was super helpful. Thanks, um, to Tim and Scott, especially for what you're doing to raise up and invest in uh, student pastors who are coming behind us. Uh, man, I I can't tell you how grateful I am for that and. And honestly, even even just the relationship that we have and the investment that you guys have made uh, in me uh, over the time we've known each other, really, really thankful. Todd, thanks so much. It's not easy to be in the trenches and encourage those who are your shoulder to shoulder with, and you've done that well uh, for quite a few years now as we've known each other, and so I'm grateful as well uh, just for that. And so let's keep on keeping on if you guys are good with that, yeah? Yep. Cool. Well, hey, thanks everybody for jumping in. Join us today. We'll be back uh, in the next episode. 
for that. Hopefully you found this encouraging. Again, head over to the show notes for links for all the things that we talked about uh, and check out the resources and the help these guys can give. Hopefully, please don't hesitate to reach out to any of us if there's anything we can do. Uh, we love you guys. Grateful uh, for what you're doing, the impact that you're making in the generation that you are serving. Uh, it is in good hands with you, and we are confident in that, encouraged by you. Don't give up. Don't quit. We'll catch you guys in the next episode.